I'm your host, Kaylee, and I love my career as a venue manager and now owner. I'm a glutton for punishment, coffee addict, and an ambitious leader. I've seen and done some unglamorous things in this chosen career path, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Let's talk about the ups and downs of venue ownership, and I'll fill you in on the crazy stories, give you some knowledge on the nitty gritty details, and share my passion for this industry. Stick around, and I'm sure you're going to understand why operating a venue, although rewarding, is elegantly unglamorous. Story time. Yep, it's time for that story that I have. Um, I have several in my books, <laughs> so I'm just going to start rattling them off every episode. Um, this story is going to be a little short because I think it's funny, but it's also a lesson learned. Lesson learned. So, I was day of coordinator. This is back when I used to offer day of coordinating services. I now don't offer them because I found that I am only one person and being day of coordinator as well as owning a venue is not possible. However, I was day of coordinator for this wedding. We've been open for about two years. This wedding has 400 people. Yes, max capacity. We are filled It is a big, large wedding. However, they had their ceremony off-site, and wedding went off without a hitch. It was amazing, beautiful wedding. Then they get on the trolley to come to the venue. I hop in my car, bring over all their church flowers to get set up, and I'm ready for the... I'm, I'm ready to start the reception. You know, I'm doing my job, doing what I need to do. Then I get a text from the photographer 30 minutes later. We're going to be an hour late because the trolley went to the wrong venue. (laughs) Oh my gosh, these people, literally dinner was supposed to start. And this is when we were doing catering service. So dinner was supposed to start at six o'clock, did not start until eight. Eight o'clock is when dinner started. Can you imagine all these hangry upset guest. But yes, we, they told us they wanted to wait for them to get there for dinner. That was very important to them that they wanted to eat first. So we held off dinner. They of course had chicken, chicken that had sat for two hours. How in the world I, you know, we cook everything very fresh, but there is no way for us to hold that that long without it drying out. Uh, We did our best. I'm sure some people got some dry chicken, but this bridal party shows up in their trolley and they are all shit-faced. They are wasted because they have been riding around on this trolley for almost an hour and a half. And they are so drunk because the whole hour and a half, they had no food, but they had a ton of alcohol. So they get there and these people are trying to do their grand entrance and the bridesmaids and groomsmen are literally swerving as they're walking into the venue. One trips and falls, um, knocks over another 
bridesmaid. They fall with a beer in their hand. It is a mess, guys. It is a mess. The venue or the DJs mess up all of their names. It is because none of them are in line that they need to be. It is just, I couldn't get, they are so drunk. I couldn't control them. <laughs> so this is the reason why I don't do day of coordinating anymore. I don't want to have any responsibility for any um, drunk individuals that I'm not on the trolley with them because I'm also the venue owner and I had to be here to make sure that dinner was done on time and out the door and everything was ready. So I am no longer day of coordinator. I no longer do uh, planning services because it's just too much to handle. It's too much to handle. They can hire a wedding planner because I'm not one. Um, so on to today's topic. Today, I want to talk about business plans because the next step of deciding that you want to start a venue is to really develop and research and organize a business plan because those are the most important steps into a business operation. This is what really guides you into determining if your venue is going to be profitable, if it's going to be in demand, if you have everything, all your ducks in a row. So then that way you can show your financial advisors and show the SBA loan company. It is definitely a labor of love and it takes a lot of work, but it is definitely worth it. So let's see what we got here. So the first step is your executive summary. I mean, that is in all business plans. And what should you really provide in your executive summary? So you need to have a mission statement. Um, very, it, it doesn't, it does not have to be long, but you need to describe your business and provide your mission. What is your mission for organizing and developing a venue? Um, a brief description of your products or services. This can be really simple as you are owning a, you are going to provide a space for public or private events. Um, and you will offer catering, bar service, rentals, whatever it might be. Names and short um, information of the company owners. So you want to give some background on the company owners and give some details. And that is all needs to be professional. You do not need to tell them you are an advocate for reading and you love like, no, you need to talk about your education. You need to talk about your experience. You need to talk about really, you just need to give yourself a leg up by saying you have a lot of sales experience or you need to give yourself a leg up by you have the passion and drive. Um, listen, do not come at me with you are creative this business takes way more than being creative. So um, definitely focus on other aspects because that is what um, these SBA loan officials are going to want. You need to give a description of your employees. What, who do you think you're going to hire? Are you going to have a chef? Are you going to have an event manager? That kind of stuff. You need to describe the location. So give the location that you are looking to build. So we said Hoagland, Indiana, which is where we're at. Little small town of Hoagland. Um, and then name of the address of your venue. 
an overview of your finances and your future aspirations. So overview of your finances is based on do you plan on fully, you know, paying for this yourself out of pocket? Are you wanting to get an SBA loan? What are your intentions for your finances? That will be another episode. So what do you look for? Are you putting any of your retirement? How much are you putting down into the business? What is your financial obligations? And then your future aspirations. What do you want this venue to be? What are your hopes and dreams? Are you hoping to franchise this after so many years? Are you hoping to build another venue after so many years? Are you looking to reach a million dollars in sales? What are your goals and your future? Your What does your future behold for you? Um, then you really have to pay attention to, you know, your market or your company description and describing all of, you know, what is it? Is it an LLC? Is it a corporation? Um, describe your customers and their demographics. Who is your, you know, who is your customer? I can tell you that our customers, like our ideal clients are usually between the age, and I'm going to get really descriptive because you could say young females, right? That's very broad. No, ours is, I could look them up on Facebook. If I get an inquiry, I'll look them up on Facebook and I can automatically tell that there are clients and they're the client that I want. So I can tell by looking at them. <laughs> we have this joke that my chef will say, are they, you know, 23-year-old young blondes fresh out of college? Yep, they are. <laughs> we have a lot of teachers. We have a lot of nurses. Um, that is a lot of our brides. Um, so, and you could also narrow it down as your demographics are 50%, homo, you know, like homosexuals are, you know, they, whatever it might be, you, you've got to narrow it th that down because I can, I think of a venue in our local area and they do a lot of gay and lesbian weddings. And so that is part of their demographics. Our demographic, I'm trying to get into that. I think that we have, our venue appeals more to lesbian couples than it does gay couples because they, it, like we're light and airy. We just have more of a feminine feel to it. And I feel like our, like the gay couples normally are going towards like industrial buildings or going towards higher end um, facilities. So there's different things, but uh, we're pretty feminine and feminine energy. So that's kind of what we attract. But a lot of our clients are 23 year old young girls. Um, they usually find us, their parents are usually paying for the wedding or at least half of the wedding. That is 90% of our clients. However, we do have another little section, um, of clients that are second marriages. A lot of times are because our services are aligned to, to attract second marriages or, you know, late thirties or couples that usually have children already, um, just because we provide a lot of services that it's a very one-stop shop for them. But that's, that's further into this. So, but you really have to describe your demographics and really think about your details, um, and who your demographics are and who your client and your perfect client would be. Um, you really, 
need to just toot your own horn and company descriptions and describe, you know, any sales experience that you've had, any information that's going to make you unique. So do you plan on having a greenhouse venue? That's a very unique, you know, segment, niche of the wedding industry. Then you need to do your research. A lot, a lot, a lot of research, market analysis. And I used a website um, called wedding.report. And you know what? They do charge you for a report, but it is based off of the information in your local area. So I was able to pull up all the information from Fort Wayne or the whole county. And it was it was very beneficial to look at that information to decide how many average, how many weddings should we expect a year? What is the average cost of a wedding in our area? What do they average? Like, what is the average venue, like location rental? What is the average catering sales? What is the average bar sales? How much do they spend on flowers and decor? Because those are the services that we provide. So we really had to dive into the market research and we had to compare Also, and research our competitors because that's part of it. You need to research your competitors and just and figure out what the you know what they're charging, and if you can compete with what their services and their rates are. Um, Then you also need to like analyze what your competitor services are because do you have a services service that they're not providing? And why aren't they providing that? Is it because it's not in demand or is it just because they don't have the resources to provide that service? You really got to dig in deep and really critically think through that. Um, You also need to outline your management and who's going to run the business, who's going to do the organization and who's going to really lead the business. Is it going to be you? Are you going to hire, you know, a manager? If you're offering catering, who's going to be your chef? And how much are you going to pay your chef? chef? How much are you going to pay your, you know, what are your labor expenses? What are your salaries? Things like that. So you really have to think about that before you dive into it. Um, Then you need to go into your, you know, you've got to think about your services. So figure out your services. What services are you going to provide? Are you providing, you know, if you have a venue, of course you're going to provide a venue, right? Because that's the reason why you're here. That's why you're listening to this podcast. (laughs) Are you going to have heat and AC? Are you going to provide tables and chairs within the rental? Are you going to provide linens in the rental? What are your rental times? Um, Are you going to have an event manager on site? So you really have to think about those. Um, Are you providing catering? What type of catering? Is it going to be buffet only? Are you going to have plated or family style options? What type of menu are you looking at? Are you wanting something more unique, more casual, more formal? You really have to think about all this stuff because it plays a major role in your branding and what you can charge. Um, Are you hiring a chef and what kind of labor are you expecting? And how are you going to price and package your catering services? Are you doing a la carte or are you doing packages where you choose your own items? There's so many different things and ways to do it. So you have to decide what your market's going to want. 
Are you doing bar service? So what type of liquor license do you need? Do you need a two-way or a three-way? Um, are you wanting to serve liquor? Then you might need a three-way. You got to research your state's um, requirements and how you obtain a liquor license because that will take a while. Um, also need to research all the regulations. And trust me, it's kind of hidden because I know Indiana's regulations, like what they require, is a little hidden. I mean, we know that here in Indiana, you have to have a designated bar area. We can't serve any anyone under 21, um, you know, there, there's, you have to have roping, you have to have signs posted. There's a lot into it. Um, you also can't have outside alcohol. Like guys, there's so much information that you have to learn. Um, you have to decide what kind of packages you're going to have a la carte or, you know, packages where it's per person per time limit. I mean, this is stuff you have to determine and illustrate into your business plan because this is what starts your business. This is what organizes it all. You need to talk about your labor and your security. So if you're having bar service, you're probably going to need a security officer because drunks are hard, hard to control. Um, so having someone to designated to do that is preferred. Um, and after you kind of decide on your services, hopefully you've, before that, you've already determined, you know, your commercial property is your, your permits and zoning and what you're going to need and figure out your operating expenses because that's going to go into your pricing. So what are your financial projections? And the way to really do this, we're going to dive into how to price out your services in a later episode, but the way to do this is look at your overhead expenses. That should be the cost of your rental, no less. Like you've got to, I would say the cost of your rental needs to be 70% um, margin. So based on your overhead expenses, like your loan, utilities, market, legal fees, taxes, salaries. Um, by salaries, I mean like your managers who are full-time or your own salary. Um, you need to build that into the cost of your, your rental. Um, and then that needs to be 70% of it. So you need to at least make 30% off of it after you deduct, deduct those expenses out of that rental cost. You need to at least have 30% left at least. I would say cut it down to 50, but you never know. Um, and then the food, if you're doing catering, I think a good standard is always a 30% cost margin. So 30% of your, your food should cost 30% of what the client is paying for and your labor should cost 20% of that. So you need a 50% markup on your cost of food and labor into that. Um, bar is also 50% margin based on your bartenders and what you're providing. You have to at least have a 50% margin. Um, Compare it to the average area. So look at your rates of your services and compare it to where you're at because California rental rates are way different than Indiana. So if you're in Indiana, look for other venues that are also providing same services and look at their rental rates. Look at their, you know, catering rates, things like that. Um, 
So that's when you, once you have all your pricing, you can really, if you've done your research of how much your loan and everything it is to either build or buy a venue, and you've looked at your utilities and legal fees and permits and taxes and things like that, and you've determined your your pricing on your rental or your catering and bar service, then you're going, sorry, I just hit my mic. Then you're going to really dive into your projections. So your P&Ls, a profit and loss statements. You're going to want to do a worst case scenario and years one through five. So what do you see as your worst case scenario? What is going to be your first, like what's, what's a really bad, like it went way worse. Like you got to think really super negative. And I know it's hard for venue owners because we're such optimistic people and we're, we are, we kind of see sunshine and rainbows all the time. But you really have to focus down and think about your financials and what's the worst case scenario. Then you need to bring it back up a little bit and consider your first year. What are you thinking for your first year? Not hoping. What are you thinking might be your first year? That's hard to decide. It really is. I think a good starting point is to just consider between 10 to 20 events your first year. Um, depending on when you open. So if you open beginning of May, then you have time to actually get some events in. And if you did the booking process during construction or during renovations, whatever it is, then you might have had some events, 10 to 20 of those. Um, it's really hard to depend it's really hard to decide on that. But try to figure out what your first year is going to be and what do you want your percentage growth to be every year for the next five years. So outline your five years that you got coming up, you know your quarterly projections. And I mean, I, it's very normal to have a low fourth and first quarter in the wedding industry because that's usually winter. Unless you're in the Southern states like us in Indiana, November through March, we really don't have many events. We have onesies and twosies. And then April hits and it's two every weekend, three every weekend. It depends on it depends on the season. So we know that our quarterly projections for the fourth and first quarter of the years are usually low. And second and third quarter is always high. So we know that there is downtime. And you, that's something that you need to look into and put into your P&Ls. Um, create some charts and graphs off of that. So then that way you can get a visual and show that to others as well. Um, let's see what else. Um, oh, another good thing to have is a SWOT analysis. So if you don't know what a SWOT analysis, I mean, this is, I, I think if you, I know a SWOT analysis because of my education, I did like some business communication courses. So this is where we learned it. But if you don't know what it is, SWOT stands, it's S-W-O-T and it stands for strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, and really highlighting those and figuring out how you're going to either enhance or contradict those, contradict, counteract those struggles. So strengths. I mean, what is, a strength is what brings value to your business and gives you a leg up over your competition. What is your strength? Our strength is that we were established business and my, our strength is leadership and management. Our strength is the 
I don't think our location is necessarily a strength. It can be a strength, but it is also one of our weaknesses. So you can have both. I mean, it can be a strength for some and then it can be a weakness for others. Um, our strength is really just the management and the opportunity for, you know, a one-stop shop. Well, not one-stop shop, but a lot of services are here. Clients book us because they know most of their wedding is planned once they book us. Um, weaknesses. So what areas are you going to struggle in? What areas do you see being a struggle? Labor could be a struggle. Trying to, you know, hire people, especially during a pandemic. It's hard to hire people right now. People don't want to work. Trust me, I'm dealing with it right now. And then, you know, opportunities. What are the areas of advancement or growth for the business? When we first started, we had the first year we didn't have catering on site. So that was one of our opportunities we were hoping to introduce by year two. We need a little bit of time because when we took ownership, we only had four months and trying to find a quality chef and, and trying to, you know, build a menu and make sure our kitchen was up to code and all that kind of stuff. We took a year to do that, develop that. So that was one of our opportunities. We also had opportunities into decor and design because that is, something I enjoyed doing and something that I knew would be profitable. And then threats. What are the potential or ma a major issue that is that could jeopardize the business? So what is a threat, you know, to your business? Is COVID a threat to your business? Is, I mean, obviously it's a threat, but um, for example, we're looking into possibly building a new venue on site. Well, one of those threats is that that venue cannibalizes our current venue because, and what I mean by that is that venue becomes a priority and becomes more of a preference for couples and we book more events there than we do our current venue. So how are we going to manage that threat? Um, it's not something that we know is going to be already a weakness. It's just something that could jeopardize the business that we need to pre prepare for. Um, and then here's one of the things that is the hardest part of having a business in general. I know this just because of several entrepreneurs tell me this. How do you name your venue? Because you got to have a name on your business plan. This is the whole point of developing a business plan is to have everything set and organized so you can start operations and start the process of opening and to secure financing because they want to know that. But what's the name of your business? Have you, do you have it registered already? And are you doing a DBA? Because that's what we did. We did a DBA. But to, to develop a name, you have to look at your property, look at your services. What is your brand? And who is your market? Who is your market? Because look at your property. Are you in the woods? Are you in Tennessee in the hills? Are you on the beach? Are you in Utah? Are you in Maine? You know, East Coast? I mean, look at your property. Where are you located? And determine that because you wouldn't call your beach house wooded acres 
right? Because <laughs> it's not wooded and it's, you know, on a beach. It's You have to look at that. Um, what are your services? So if you're a full service venue, then maybe you want to highlight that in your name and make it obvious that you're a full service venue. Um, if you are just a property with a venue and you have no other rentals or anything like that, then you want to keep it simple and not make it obvious that you don't provide those things or whatever it might be. What is your brand? I mean, are you going industrial? Then you might want to think about more industrial names. If you're going more farm, then you might want to include acres or fields or whatever into your, into your name. And who is your market? I mean, who is your market? Because a name is going to attract your market, right? So we're the Eden the Eden, right? Simple to the point. Eden, we're on, you know, 26 acres of beautiful property, flat property, beautiful sunsets, um, trees, just, you know, Eden-esque. And our market are those who are looking for a property that is like an Eden, right? So, that's something that, you know, it's, it's hard to come up with a name. It really is. And the best way to do this, listen, I looked at paint colors. <laughs> I looked at paint colors and I don't, I can't take credit for the name because I still couldn't come up with the name. My partner came up with the name, <laughs> but we, I was looking at like going into Sherwin Williams or Benjamin, Benjamin Moore. And I was actually looking at paint colors because I could find different cool names for products or services. Like it just like would, you know, create some creativity in my mind to come up with something. So it's, it's hard, but you will get there. And sometimes it's pretty basic, but it, it doesn't have to be super fancy. Um, anything else? Am I missing anything? I think that's about it. I mean, really dig down deep and analyze every aspect of your potential business. And that will help you build and create a business plan because that business plan is going to be your foot into financials, your foot into actually developing the business. Look into... Um, you know, look on Pinterest and get inspiration and get words that, are, you know, stand out to you that is going to describe your business. And that will lead you and help you kind of develop a business plan. Um, I am actually looking into possibly helping um, other venues create business plans because I love to do business plans. I think there's so much fun. I know, kind of weird. I love that kind of stuff. I love doing market analysis. I love doing research. <laughs> I love coming up with names. I love just all the nitty gritty details and thinking about all those, those things that are just going to like, you know, make or break the business and figuring out how to work around those and creative thinking and just trying to organize and create, help people create a business. So that might be an offer that I put up on the website and I will let you know. It's been stirring in my mind. Don't know if I'm going to do it, but I will keep you posted. So I hope that if you are 
you know, looking into purchasing or buying a venue, or if you're a business owner and you did this without a business, maybe you should create one now because it might just keep you on track and point you in the right direction, especially if you feel like you're kind of all over the place or scatterbrained and your business is not very concrete. A business plan can really help you secure and just tie down all your loose ends. So, That is it, guys. I hope you have a good week and I hope you took away some useful information. All right. Have a good one. See you next week. Do you know another venue owner, event professional, or maybe an entrepreneur that you think will benefit from this podcast? Why don't you share it with them and help me inspire others? Stay informed by following or subscribing to this podcast. You'll be notified each time an episode is posted. You can also follow me for more tips and inspiration on Instagram at Elegantly Unclamorous Podcast or on our website at elegantlyunclamorous.com. I'll see you next time.